Are you concerned about the Mariners' current three-game skid? Well, to quote Michael Jordan, stop it. Get some help. We're just three games in. This is Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, let's get into it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022, and this is the Locked On Mariners podcast. Apologies for no episode yesterday, but thank you so much for tuning in today and making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm your host, Tidy Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patno. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E. GNZLZ and Colby at CPAT11. That's CPAT11. Be sure to also check out our Patreon where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control zone for more information on that. If you are interested, new episode dropping for all of our patrons later today. So be sure to check that out if you're subscribed or if you want to subscribe and uh, test drive the show, if you will. Uh, Matt Brash was filthy. In his major league debut yesterday. We'll be talking about that on today's episode of Locked On M's. We'll also be going over Seattle's offensive struggles and preview what is most likely going to be a double header between the uh, Mariners and the White Sox tomorrow. Thunderstorms in the forecast for tonight's first pitch in Chicago. So it would be a surprise if that game gets played tonight. And if this is your first time joining us here, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell, give this video a thumbs up, and uh, tell your friends to come check us out. Greatly appreciate it. So Colby, Matt Brash made his Major League debut. I had a really fun time watching it. Five and a third innings pitch, six strikeouts, just one walk. Two earned runs, the only one really falls on his shoulders, a mistake that he made to Luis Robert that led to the White Sox taking a 2-1 to lead. What did you see from Brash in this uh, in this first appearance for him? And, uh, I mean, he pretty much threw the kitchen sink at the White Sox, right? Yeah, pretty even distribution uh, between the fastball, the curveball, and the slider. Um, it was mostly fastball knuckle curve, actually, not the slider. Uh, slider was his third pitch today. Uh, mixed in a few changeups. Um, nothing, nothing super of note of the changeup. It was, it was pretty good. It had plenty of movement. Um, you know, probably the one that people remember the most is the one that Luis Torrens uh, couldn't catch. So um, should have been a yeah, strike. It should have been a strike. <laughs> Either way, it should have been a strike. Yep. Yep. Um, it, it, it was a beauty. Um, but yeah, mostly fastball, knuckle curve, slider. Uh, it took Statcast about. Oh, 12 to 18 hours to actually distinguish between Brash's knuckle curve and his slider. Um, they were just originally calling them all sliders. So uh, that's that's how filthy those two pitches were. Uh, spin rates just off the charts. Uh, both the curveball mm-hmm. and the slider both topped off, topped off over 3,000 uh, RPMs. Yeah. Uh, they averaged over 2,900 RPMs each. Uh, he was able to induce... You know, six whiffs on uh, on 16 swings with the slider, uh, five whiffs on 15 swings with the knuckle curveball. Uh, he threw, for the most part, he threw a lot of strikes, uh, only the one walk. Uh, but there there were some some things that you know we know about Matt Brash that were were present, right? I mean, he he leaves the hanging breaking ball to Roberts. Uh, it's just a non-competitive pitch. Um, that's going to happen for Brash because again, he doesn't have pinpoint control. He he just kind of goes up there and he throws it. And 
wherever it lands, it lands, and it's so filthy that he's able to generate, you know, some really bad swings. Uh, but mm-hmm. when that's the type of pitcher you are, you're also going to give up a lot of hard contact. And Brash gave up his fair amount. Um, didn't really come back to bite him. Uh, guys were having a tough time uh, getting the right launch angle, let's say. But there were plenty of hard hit balls. Um, one thing of note here is that he didn't generate a single swing and miss on his fastball, believe it or not. Um, that's something that he's going to have to do uh, at some point. He's going to have to get value out of that pitch. It's got plenty of run. It's got plenty of velocity, so it's not anything to be concerned about. But it is you know, something that the White Sox didn't whiff on a single one of his fastballs. Um, and they, when they put it in play, which was every time they – you know basically every time they swung at it, uh, yeah. average exit velocity of 109, uh, 100.9, minimum exit velocity of, of 96.4. So they were squaring up the fastball uh, pretty good. So he's not going to be able to live off the curveball and slider forever. He's going to have to get value out of that fastball at some point. Uh, but for the first time out in a bad ballpark against a pretty good lineup, uh, it was it was very impressive. Yeah, and – Take this with a grain of salt, but Eno Saris of uh, The Athletic today tweeting that Matt Brash officially, or at least temporarily, because this stat really needs about a few games to work itself out and properly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a- a- address um, pitcher stuff. But Stuff Plus, uh, Matt Brash is currently the leader in Stuff Plus, and Stuff Plus is exactly what it sounds like. It, it rates the best stuff. Uh, from all pitchers in baseball and uh, Matt Brash right now at the top of the list. We'll see if that continues, but I mean, he certainly looked nasty. I don't know if you saw the uh, the screenshots of White Sox Reddit reacting to Matt Brash, but they were all just like, how are we going to beat this guy? <laughs> and I mean, like, I, I, I would think that that's a pretty scary sight for an opposing team Going up against a guy making his major league debut, not a lot of people know about Matt Brash outside of Seattle, really, and outside of really, you know, the prospect guys. So this guy has really just come out of nowhere throwing just some of the most ridiculous stuff we you could ever see on a baseball mound right now. And, uh, and that includes that just absolute disgusting slider that induced uh, a ton of swords. I think I counted six or seven yesterday for... Uh, for Matt Brash on the slider. That's just nuts. That's nuts. 11 swings and misses in total uh, for for Brash. You mentioned that he didn't have a single one on the fastball, so all all of that coming on the breaking stuff, the changeup as well. Um, It was really nice. It was was pretty much you saw everything that Matt Brash brings to the table. He came as advertised. And yeah, there were some command issues, which also comes as advertised. But overall, Hmm. I mean... If he's hitting the zone, which he was a lot yesterday, the command for the most part wasn't too much of an issue. And when he's in the zone consistently, I mean, that's one of the most disgusting starting pitchers in baseball, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Matt Brash is kind of like the perfect pitcher to show people when we talk about control versus command. Control right. is just the ability to throw strikes. Matt Brash can do that. Matt Brash can throw strikes. Yeah. Um, can he place the pitches exactly where he wants them most of the time? Not really, not yet. Um, and, and that's the difference, right? Like I, most people, most pitchers can throw a fastball down the middle, but you don't want to throw a fastball down the middle. You want to throw a fastball. That's, you know, 
on the inside corner or just two inches off the outside corner. And can you do that consistently? That's command. Brash right now, probably 40 grade command, maybe 45 if you want to be generous. Probably 45 control, 50 control. Um, and again, thankfully, the stuff is so good that uh, he doesn't need to be significantly better than that. But if he can be, I mean, you're looking at a guy with, with ace level stuff. Like, it, it's it's elite stuff. So uh, that's what it's going to come down to. Also, how long can he sustain? How long can he go? It looked like he's starting to lose a little bit of his feel the third time through the order um, yeah. after five. But that could also just be because it was his first start and it was a shortened spring training. Um, but Brash is, is going to be let, on a bit let of Let me ask you about here. that, by the way. Yeah. Did you like the decision to let him go out for a third time through the order? Not, not really. I didn't hate it. Um, uh-huh. and I, I get what you're, you're just trying to squeeze as many outs as you can because the Mariners don't technically have an off day until Monday. Uh, they're probably going to get one today, but then they're going to kind of lose that with the doubleheader tomorrow. So yeah. every out your starting pitcher can get for you is one less out the bullpen has to. And, you know, the bullpen had to pitch, you know, had to carry what seven innings the day before. And so I, I get what they were trying to do. I personally wouldn't have done it, but I don't hate it. Um, because mm-hmm. pitch pitch count was fine uh, it was i think it was at 75 when they sent him out there and they wanted him to be around 80 85 um so no i wouldn't have sent him out there uh but i get why they did it and it's it's something that brash is going to have to do if he wants to stay in the rotation he's going to have to be able to get guys out on pitches 80 through 100 and because of his size there are some who, who question whether or not he can um sure. but regardless if he can or can't what we saw on uh well what we saw yesterday on Tuesday is that Matt Brash is at least a absolutely filthy, disgusting Josh Hader level, uh, you know, multi-inning dominant closer at worst. Like that's who Matt Brash is. That's the floor. And if you're the Mariners, why wouldn't you give this guy the, the, the ball, you know, and, and it just, there's a lot of like, Hey, they should have signed Tyler Anderson. They should have signed blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, <laughs> Maybe just maybe the Mariners understand what they can do with starting pitching and bullpen. Uh, maybe the Mariners are pretty good at scouting and, and developing pitching. Maybe we should trust them a little bit more. But we'll see if Brash can hang, can uh, can hold up. Uh, I'm certainly excited to see him pitch uh, against the Astros. Uh, that's will it be the Astros? Yeah, yeah, it'll be on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Hey, yeah. the game that behind the, the somebody won tickets from us behind home plate and they get to watch. Matt Brash sliders oh. from behind home plate <laughs> against yeah. a very good Astros lineup. That's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, Matt Brash yeah. day is probably about to be a thing all over Seattle. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I'm very much looking forward to. I <laughs> tweeted today that if I could watch him pitch every single day for the rest of my life, I would absolutely love that. But Hey, you know, there's a good consolation prize in the Mariners rotation called uh, Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert. So <laughs> I will, I will happily take that as well. Unfortunately, Brash did not get the win in this game. He actually got the loss despite only giving up two earned runs. And that's really because of another awful, dreadful, honestly, there aren't enough adjectives in the world to describe this offense over the last couple of days. It's a bad performance from the offense. We're going to be talking about these offensive struggles that we've seen against Dylan Bundy and Vince Velasquez in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year because I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. And it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are low calorie, 
high protein, so replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. So go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. Again, high protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And again, compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there's so many amazing flavors that they have available, including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. So try one for yourself. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Again, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. And uh, just a reminder to check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts, just like us. So uh, that was a lot to say. I am sick, by the way, if you guys couldn't tell. But uh, this the, that was a bit of a struggle for me right there. So let's get into this offense, though, because uh, that might be uh, more lethargic than I am right now. Uh, just three runs, two runs, two runs in the last two days. All coming yesterday, Eugenio Suarez with a uh, solo shot. Good vibes only. Starting to get it together. Had a couple of hits yesterday. Had a double in the uh, the shutout loss on Monday night as well. One of the few hits that the Mariners had against Dylan Bundy. Uh, and then they went up against Vince Velasquez and only got the one run, the Suarez home run. Jesse Winker got an RBI single in the ninth inning, but ultimately they weren't able to fulfill the comeback. Another bad at bat from Mitch Hanniger with runners in scoring position. I know that you tease that you have a take about Hanniger on Twitter. We'll get to that in just a moment. But overall, is it time to panic about this offense? <laughs> no, actually, I was. I was obviously yesterday was very frustrating because Vince Velasquez is, is not a good pitcher. Um, you know, Dylan Bundy is about league average at best. So obviously, the last two days have been very frustrating. Um, I think the Mariners have only scored in six innings this year. Um, you know, and we're, we're heading into game six, probably not tonight, but you know, uh, probably tomorrow will be game six and seven and they've only scored in, in six innings, you know, six, seven innings. So, uh, they're just not, you know, consistently scoring runs. So it's, it's, it's frustrating certainly. Um, but I actually thought yesterday there were a lot of really good at bats. Um, there were some, you know, hard hit balls that, you know, unfortunately having to play Buxton and, and Luis Roberts back to back. I mean, that's, that seems unfair. They're both elite center fielders. Um, there are a couple yeah, balls that, that, what was it Monday night after the shutout? I, I said, well, at least the Mariners don't have to play Byron Buxton again. And then I, I, I totally forgot. Wrong. Yeah. They got, yeah. They got to play Luis Robert the next day. Same, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Same exact yeah. thing. And Robert again, home run. Yeah. Robbed, robbed uh, at least probably one RBI, maybe two. Maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. like he stole uh, two bases in the uh, the bottom of the eighth to help give the White Holy Sox the God. deciding run. Like we're we're gonna have to talk about the Mariners' lack of interest uh, in stopping a run game, uh, particularly Diego the Castillo, like, specifically. At least at least look at the guy, but yeah. um, I mean something. Uh, Step off once in a while, hold the ball, but whatever. Um, different conversation for a different day. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought there were a lot of really good at-bats. Strikes didn't help much. Kelnick's best at-bat maybe of the year. He gets jobbed by a bad strike call against Kendall Graveman, the only way Graveman can, you know, pitch a scoreless inning oh, against by the, the way, Mariners. By the way, despite the offensive performance, Abraham Toro still owns 
Kendall Grayman. Let's just <laughs> let the record show that double. It was a little fluky, but uh, we're going to ignore line that. Line drive in the book, baby. Yeah. It's line yeah. drive in the book. Tor- Toro so. owns Graveman. So. That's right. As, <laughs> as of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty good at bat by Kalanick. He fouled off a couple pitches, uh, took some strikes that he couldn't do much with. And mm-hmm. that is preferable. And that's kind of been a, a running theme, or at least it was yesterday. There were a lot of strikes that the Mariners took that they just, they were good takes, right? I mean, they're strikes, but can't really do much with them. Uh, the thing that's frustrating um, about the Mariners was sometimes it feels like they're a little bit too cautious. Um, you know, they're, they're taking first pitch fastballs down the middle. Suarez did that in his second at bat. I think it was, I mean, it was like 96 dead center cut. Like that's probably not one you should go up to the plate and just, just watch. Um, but again, I, I think the quality of the at bats have been pretty good with the exception of the Bundy game. Um, I, I think their XWOBA as a team shows that they're putting up quality at bats. They're hitting the ball pretty hard, pretty regularly. Um, it's just not really happening for them right now. So I, I don't think anybody needs to panic. I do think they're, we're going to see a breakout relatively soon. The thing with baseball is you never really know when it's going to happen. Um, but again, they're, they're for the most part, they're putting up good solid at bats. They're hitting the ball hard and that's really all you can do. And at some point those hits are going to fall at some point. You know, those 50-50 pitches are going to go your way. And you're just kind of, it's like you're playing blackjack, right? You play enough hands, you know, you're you're going to get on hot streaks, you're going to get on cold streaks, and eventually it's going to even out to close to 50-50. And so it's just a matter of of maximizing your opportunities, and the Mariners feel like they're doing that. So I think the offense is is closer to a breakout than people might think so. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, you know, it's it's frustrating. It's it's hard to, to sit here and say like, oh, it's coming when you've just watched I mean, at least scoreboard-wise, box score-wise, two terrible offensive performances. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, you know, you went up against two pretty mediocre starting pitchers and didn't and didn't do a ton of damage against them, and you just can't have it. Just can't have that. You, you got to be able to take advantage of those matchups, and they weren't able to. Um, hopefully that changes. And, yeah, there was a bit of, you know, some bad luck yesterday, some hard-hit balls that just went r- directly right to gloves. Uh, there was the hard hit ball that that Terenz had that kind of died because of the uh, the wind. Um, Hanager in the first. Yeah, that yeah yeah Hanager had one. Uh, Jimenez had that that catch on on Terenz's uh, hard hit ball to, to left. Um, it just you know it happens. Uh, it's frustrating. You know that's not to say it's not. Um, but you know the, I it's five games. Like that's the thing here is like we're five games in. They started out pretty well with the uh, the couple wins. The offensive performances in those games weren't fantastic, but they were acceptable. You know, they were good enough to get you in the win column. And uh, I, I think things are, are eventually going to work themselves out. Plus, you look around the league, offense is kind of down in general right now. And you look at some of the players that, you know, we spent all offseason talking about for the Mariners. Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story. You know, some of these guys are just really struggling right now. Uh, Carlos Correa is another guy that's really struggling right now. It happens. Like this whole, you know, I see a lot of talk about Jared Kelnick on Twitter right now from just like the national guys and stuff. Yeah, he struck out a lot. He struggled. But it's five games. <laughs> Again, right? Carlos, Carlos Correa, I think, has like six or seven strikeouts right now. And it's like, it's just this... There is not enough time. This is not even a small sample size. This is a microscopic sample size at best for all of these guys right now. So, yeah, I'm not concerned about it. Um, 
it is frustrating. You know, there have been opportunities here. There, you know, you could realistically see a path here where the Mariners could be four and one right now. And yeah, I get that. That's that's really frustrating. But uh, overall, though, um, you know, it's just it's not time to panic. Uh, the one thing, though, that has been really frustrating to watch has been Mitch Hanniger with uh, runners in scoring position, some pretty uncompetitive at bats, which and look, I get it. You know, he's driven in almost half of the Mariners runs thus far. That's that's great. You know, and and I'm and this is not to trash Mitch Hanniger necessarily, but he was in some big spot. I, well, maybe you are going to trash Mitch Hanniger in a second, but <laughs> you know he's he was in some pretty big spots yesterday. I think he had three opportunities with a runner on second or third that he either popped up or struck out. The last at bat in the ninth inning yesterday was abysmal. He had a middle middle fastball. He had a fastball up in the zone, and then he chased after a fastball outside of the zone at the top of the zone for strike three, a three pitch strikeout against a struggling Liam Hendricks. And that's just the, the, the thing with Hanniger right now is that he's just way too aggressive for his own good. And that's really hurting him. Yeah. It's led to a couple home runs in the Minnesota series. That's great. I appreciate that, but also it's hurting the team as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you kind of you look at Hanniger and you go, wow. I mean, he's already got two home runs and he's got six RBIs and he's 90th, 90th percentile in average exit velocity and 92nd percentile in X slugging and 96th percentile in barrel percentage. It's like, wow, that's that's really neat. Um, it doesn't matter because if you only make contact, if you only hit the ball three times in a week, then the quality of the, the contact really doesn't make a difference. And here's the thing with Mitch Haniger is he's not backing it up with, with getting on base at all. Mitch Haniger hasn't walked this year. Zero walks. He's also striking out 28.6% of the time, which, again, it's early. I mean, that's nothing to panic about. But that's high. For the type of hitter Mitch needs to be, that is high. Um, again, there, there's been some bad luck here, but you watch Mitch Haniger – I'll say that Mitch Haniger has a selfish approach at the plate right now. It's it's bad. It's non-existent. Basically, Mitch Haniger is going up there, and he is looking to pull everything he can into the left field bleachers. And if it happens to help the team in another way, then fine, so be it. Mitch Haniger is swinging at 70% of the pitches in the strike zone. He's swinging at, at good pitchers' pitches. And what is he trying to do with them? He's trying to yank them into into the left field bleachers. You're not going to do that. You're you're Mitch Haniger. You're not Juan Soto. Okay, so you have to be willing to take the pitch where it's given. You have to be willing to take an outside fastball that's just off the outside corner and let it go for a 50-50 call or try to slap it into right field or drive it into right field. You have that type of power. But what we're seeing from Mitch right now is just the only thing he cares about is elevating the baseball to his pull side. That is his entire game plan. That is his entire approach. That is his entire swing right now is getting pull side in the air. And when it works, when the pitcher cooperates and gives him a pitch that he can do that with or a pitch that, you know, a mistake that he can do that with, great. But these are big league pitchers. They're not going to make that mistake every time. And even if you and they have the book one, on them. Right. And even if you do get make that, even if you do get that one mistake, you're not perfect. You're going to miss that mistake on occasion 
So yeah. when we're talking about a guy getting a you know a two o slider that's middle of the plate and elevated for him, and he rolls over and grounds it to the third baseman because he was trying to yank that thing in a ten buck two. Well, there you go. You just cost your team a run. Like Mitch Haniger is not a guy who should be selling out for power because he's not a guy who's who's walking right now. He's not bringing you any other value. So literally what we have here, it's it's Joey Gallo minus the defense, the base running, and the walks. I mean, You're it's Willie hard to argue with dude. that right now. You're Willie yeah. Mopena. What good is that? Nothing. It's not. It's not. Mitch Haniger needs to be better. He has to be. I don't know yeah. what the answer is. I don't know if it's game. I don't know if it's a game plan. I don't know if it's, you know, a, a swipe. Well, it's, just, swing it's change. just not the Mitch Haniger we have seen in the past. Someone that, you know, because Haniger pre-injury would go the opposite field. He'd catch those mm-hmm. pitches on the outside zone and slap them in the right field. Doubles. Yeah, doubles, you know, it wasn't this uh, constant need to pull, this constant, um, you know, reliance on capitalizing on mistakes. And that's really, you know, you hit the nail on the head there, is that really that's that's what he's looking for. And uh, that right now, in terms of him being your number four guy, that's just not going to do the job. Um He's got to be able to get on base more consistently. He's got to be able to, you know, um, you know, keep things going, keep the line moving, which is what he needed to do yesterday. You know, he he had a, a struggling pitcher in Liam Hendricks, who attacked him with three consecutive fastballs, and made a mistake in the in the middle of the plate, but he missed it. He fouled it off. You know, and like you said, he's not going to be perfect. He is going to miss some of those mistakes, and it's just that over reliance on being able to constantly capitalize on those, it's just, it's, that's going to hurt you in the end. And, uh, it just, it kind of seems like right now. And again, it's very early. And this is the thing that I'm going to preach with every single player that we are going to talk about, you know, here at the start of the season, but it's hard not to feel like if he doesn't make some changes sooner rather than later, we're looking at a year where Mitch Haniger is going to hit 220, 230, hit a ton of home runs. Yeah. Maybe a little bit better than Kyle Seeger, but not that much. Like, not much, if at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitch so, Haniger is pulling. Mitch Haniger is pulling every. It's sixty-seven percent pull rate. Yeah, that needs to be no higher than fifty, and that right. that change needs to happen pretty soon. And I, I don't know. I think it will, but we'll see. It's up to Mitch. Yeah, just can't have it from your uh, from your number four guy right no. now. Uh, it's it's hurt the team maybe not necessarily as much as it's helped. I, I, I don't know. Cause he has, I mean, he was the reason that they won the first game on opening day is his also run. been, yes, but, he's yeah. also been the worst hitter with runners in scoring position on this team. And it's not close. It's yeah. he, the, the at-bats are not competitive. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about the, uh, what I would assume is going to be two games tomorrow instead of just the one. Uh, obviously, because we didn't have an episode yesterday, we didn't get a chance to preview the series. So uh, let's talk about it a little bit, because probably by now you, our dear listener, knows that this game has been postponed. I would assume that's going to be the case here. Again, thunderstorms in the forecast. I believe there's a 100% chance of that happening around 8 o'clock. First pitch is supposed to be 7 o'clock local time. So, yeah. Um, so Robbie Ray... Going to take the bump against Dallas Keuchel. 
Do we know yet who the White Sox pitcher is going to be against Logan Gilbert in game two? Have they announced that yet? Uh, they haven't announced it yet, but they did call somebody up uh, from AAA the other day. I don't have the name in front of me, but uh, the Mariners are, are aware. Um, okay. So, yes. Uh, I don't think it was Matt Thompson. Try to look it up real fast. Um, well, while you're doing that, so Robbie Ray, first start on Friday, five strikeouts, four walks, not the sharpest we've seen him, but he only gave up the one run and he went seven innings. So, I mean, that's pretty good. And we talked about, you know, on Monday, how, you know, really good pitchers are able to do that. They're able to battle even when they don't have their best stuff. They're able to battle and, and give you a chance to win. Um, now he's going up against a very right-handed heavy lineup with a lot of power with guys like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu, et cetera. What are you hoping to see from Ray in his second start as a Mariner? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's a pretty tough lineup. Uh, a lot of righties, um, a lot of power righties. Uh, they're a very aggressive lineup as well. Um, they, they don't like to hit with two strikes. They want to they want to get out there and swing the bat. So it'll be interesting to see how Ray decides to attack that. Does he go fastball early and you know just try and, and get some some quick outs? Does he maybe go to the slider a little bit earlier and, and try to take advantage of their aggressiveness? Maybe the changeup even. Um, so yeah, it's just it's one of those things where you know kind of what the game plan is is, is going to tell us a lot. Uh, Ray is. He was okay in his last start. He didn't have his, his best command, uh, particularly the slider. So we'll see what he can do uh, with, with that pitch, uh, you know, this, this second time out. Uh, maybe the velocity jumps back up. He's going to have an extra day's rest, so maybe that helps. Um, but I, I think Ray's probably going to be pretty aggressive with this, with this lineup. I think he's going to go right at him. Um, they're going to be aggressive as well, so I think there's the possibility that there are some quick innings. Um, and I, I wouldn't be too surprised if Robert Ray gave you another seven uh, solid innings. Uh, the, the ballpark in Chicago is kind of a joke. It's it's not it's not good, um, even aesthetically. It's not good. But uh, so we'll we'll see how that works out for him. But I, I think he's going to be aggressive. I think the the White Sox are also going to be pretty aggressive, and I think that's a formula for Ray get, getting through six or seven innings on a day where you're really going to need it if, if yeah. you're playing too. Yeah, you're really going to need it, especially with the uh, the work that the bullpen has had to take on over the last couple of uh, days. So uh, let's talk about Logan Gilbert then uh, for game two. Obviously, he did not get off to a great start in the first couple innings of his first start, uh, but then uh, really calmed down and, and put together a pretty nice performance against Minnesota in the, uh, in the Mariners' second win of the season on Saturday. What are you hoping to see from uh, from Gilbert, another righty against, you know, again, a, a right-handed heavy lineup? Uh, obviously, Brash had a lot of success against the righties in this lineup. What are you uh, what are you hoping to see from Gilbert? I'd like to see him mix in the, the off-speed stuff pretty early. Um, White Sox are a very aggressive fastball hunting team. Uh, Gilbert's got a really good one, so it's kind of strength on strength here. But if Gilbert can really get the slider rolling uh, in this game in particular, uh, then that's a lethal combination. And again, every out that you can get from your starters and double headers this year is going to be huge because they are nine innings. And after Thursday's doubleheader, which we're assuming will be Thursday's doubleheader, maybe it'll get made up another day. I don't know. But um, if we're assuming there's a doubleheader, right? They're nine innings this year, not seven. And after that game, the Mariners are going to have to hop on a cross country flight to get home and play the Astros. And by the time they get back to Seattle, they'll be playing the Astros in about 
18 hours after that. So yeah, it's, it's the schedule and, and the weather's not doing the Mariners any favors here, but if Ray and Gilbert can give the Mariners, let's say 13 of the 18 innings they need, hopefully only 18 uh, they need on Thursday, then they're probably in pretty good shape uh, heading in both, you know, both in the possibility they win those games and heading into the Astro series, the bullpen should be in okay shape. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's really going to be about you know get get me as many outs as you can, and thankfully the White Sox are so aggressive that if those two guys have their good off speed stuff, they should be able to work their way through the lineup, and they're going to give up some runs, sure, but they should be able to be somewhat efficient and, and get through that lineup and give the Mariners six or seven innings each, um, and that would be huge uh for seattle right now the offense do you think uh maybe they're gonna take this day off we presume they're going to have and uh maybe figure some things out by tomorrow you would hope so it's it's dallas keichel who's lots of ground balls but he's contact heavy so you know there's a chance not don't have to worry about too many strikeouts you're you're right your right-handed hitter should have a good opportunity there and then i believe it's going to be Jim, jimmy lampert who's going to start the second game uh, don't know much about him. He's a righty. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've heard of him vaguely, but that's usually the guy who goes out and pitches six shutout innings against the Mariners, uh, at least traditionally. Of course. So, of course, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I do think they're really close to a breakout. I don't know what's going to happen for him in Chicago. Um, it'd be kind of fun if, if, it, if it happened to break out against the Astros at home. But I do think they're they're primed for a breakout here pretty soon, so I, it wouldn't shock me if they, uh, if they touch up Keuchel or Lampert. Um, tomorrow. All right. Let me ask you a non-Mariners question before we hop off here, because everyone's talking about it right now. Clayton Kershaw was perfect through seven innings against the Twins at 13 strikeouts, was only at 80 pitches. Dave Roberts took him out, and they gave up a hit right away. Would you have kept Kershaw in there, despite the the fact that he hasn't had a lot of innings on his arm? Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. Well, Kershaw doesn't need a perfect game. Like obviously, sure. it's it's really cool if he got one. And I'm totally not saying this is somebody who wants Felix Hernandez to have the last perfect game um, in Major League <laughs> Baseball history. But no, because I mean, Kershaw's dealt with injuries the last few years, anyways. And I don't think he got over six, uh, six, like five, six innings in spring training. Like it was it was it was not a normal buildup for him anyway. So no. Um, you have to protect Kershaw long term. I'm sure Kershaw would rather pitch in in October than go yeah. for a perfect game in in April. Um, they so also no, showed I, I him uh, talking to Roberts in the dugout, and it seemed like he agreed with the decision. So yeah, I mean, it's not just pitch count either. It's it's getting up, sitting down, you know, then getting back out there. It's doing that seven times for the first time in a year, yeah. and then saying, "Hey, you want to go do it an eighth time?" I just just why why run that risk? Right. So no. Um, I, I don't have an yeah. issue with it. Now, uh, I was very pleased to see that the Twins were getting perfected after uh, this past weekend, <laughs> after particularly those last two days of that series. So, uh, yeah, The Dodgers very... might be a little bit better than the Mariners. Maybe, maybe. You know, technically, yesterday, even after the Mariners lost, they did have a higher winning percentage <laughs> than the Dodgers because the Dodgers only played three games. They were one and two. Mariners two and three, so higher winning percentage. So uh, clearly, chills. The Mariners are better than the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, that's going to do it for our show. I actually made it through this. 
thankfully. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. Not sure what we're going to be doing for tomorrow's episode, especially if there's a double header. I think that's going to be something that Colby and I will have to figure out off air, and then we'll let you guys know on Twitter. Um, but uh, for Colby Patnode, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you're listening to it. Um, thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now make your second listen of the day locked on MLB as my phone continues to go off. Thank you for the text. Uh, uh, Paul Francis Sullivan and please call him Sully uh, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues president pass. It's free wherever you get your podcast, just like us. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we will see you tomorrow. Peace.